And well, this evening, I'm going to do just a real quick review, trying to encapsulate, you know, we're going to conclude this series, but we want to encapsulate everything we've been talking about. We've been talking about overcoming identity theft. And we said how we started this out, we went back to the original intent, what we call the original intent, where if we look at those first uh, three chapters in Genesis, that brief, uh, you know, uh, snapshot of what God's divine will and God's divine plan for man was. And it's revealed there in the first few chapters of Genesis. God created man, He created the earth, and He created everything that was on the earth, and then God created man. And we said that you can see there in, go ahead and turn there real quickly, Genesis chapter 1, we, was, these are, we want to take a look at the two, uh, the two uh, main texts that we've been making reference to as we've been teaching through this. Amen. How many of y'all know that the Bible says that Jesus came to undo the works of the devil, to destroy the works of the devil? One translation says to undo, one says to destroy the works of the devil. And so if we can go right back to the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, and see what was the devil's beginning works, what was the very first thing that he did. And, you know, and we associate sickness with the devil, we associate poverty with the, with the devil, but really the very first work of the devil was deception. He deceived Adam and Eve. He deceived Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve believed his word over the word of the king. They got deceived. They operated on that deception. And this is just something for you to understand. When we read in the Bible, when we hear about the kingdom of darkness, when we hear about that men love darkness rather than light, that term darkness, it, it is metaphorically speaking of ignorance of God's word and God's will. When people operate in an ignorance of God's Word, of God's will, it produces darkness in their life. But when they operate in an awareness of and and knowledge of God's Word and God's will, the entrance of your Word brings light. Amen? And so we want to take a look at this. We're looking at the original intent. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so we see here... We, um, I refer to this as the Dominion Commission. You know, we're familiar, many of us as, as uh, believers, we've heard when we've grown up, you know, what, uh, in Matthew chapter 28, what's known as the Great Commission, when Jesus says, go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples of all, all people, you know, that, we know that as the Great Commission. But I refer to this as the Dominion Commission. This is the, the revealed will of God as revealed in His Word, as revealed, you know, he, he spoke this, that God's will was, I am creating the earth, and I am placing man on, I'm going to create a man in my likeness, in my image. He's going to have my character. Hmm? He's going to have my character, he's going to have my nature, and this is the, what man is going to do. Remember, Jesus said, pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. Jesus was telling us, pray out the original intention. Pray out what God's original intention was, that I create the earth, I place man on it, and man is going to rule and reign, amen? Let him have dominion. That word dominion literally means to have rule and reign upon the earth. Okay? Turn to Psalms chapter 8 real quick. That's our second uh, main text that we've been 
uh, putting you in mind of because we wanted to present this in the context of the original purpose. And we'll say this, guard yourself against the added... When you start, when you the first time you catch yourself have added, oh, I know that. Man, you need to arrest that thought. Arrest that thought. Brother Laranya, someone stands up and says, open your Bibles to Mark 11, chapter 23. I mean, verse 23, Mark 11, verse 23. Boy, you go, whoo, man. Bet you heard that a couple times, haven't you, in the past two years. Amen. And the temptation is there when you hear... There, there's a saying that says, familiarity breeds, uh, breeds contempt. Oh, I've heard that. I've heard that. Say, Pastor, we've heard this before. Well, guard yourself against that attitude because when that attitude gets place in your heart, you become unteachable. As soon as someone says, open this, tonight I want to speak to you about this, this morning I want to talk to you about this, oh, I've heard this. Man, i got ten books on that subject. You're hardening your heart to where the Holy Spirit can't speak to you. Amen? You can't learn. Stay teachable. Amen? Psalms 8, verse 4. Let me see. Uh, let me see. I'm going to back that up. Excuse me. Verse 3. Psalm 8, 3. When I consider thy heavens and the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou dost take thought of him, and the son of man that thou carest for him? Yet thou hast made him a little lower... And and the King James Version says, you have made him a little lower than the angels. How many, anybody using the King James Version this evening? Oh, man, shame on you. New King James. What's New King James say, Brother Chuck? Okay. Okay, that's cool. New King, a little lower than the angels. New King James Version says, a little lower than the angels. King James Version says, you have made man a little lower than the angels. And we said... We brought this out because we were talking about the whole subject of what we've been talking about is your identity, who you are. That verse says, you have made him a little lower than the angels. Bad translation. In the Hebrew, the word is actually Elohim. Have you heard that word before? Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Okay? So this verse is literally saying, what is man that you're mindful of him? You have made him a little lower than God. The New American Standard Translation says, you've made him a little lower than God and dost crown him with glory and majesty. Thou dost make him to rule, there's that word again, rule over the works of thy hands and you have put all things under his feet. Now I'm just going to stop right there. So these two verses of Scripture here re- reveal what God's original intention was for man and what man's original identity was. The Bible says, and remember this, Luke chapter 3, what is it, verse 38, Pastor Cheyenne? Luke 3, 35, 38, somewhere in there. It's going through the lineage of Jesus, and it starts with, jo- it says, jo- it, you know, his earthly lineage, it says, Joseph, the son of, 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 three what, babe? 38, Luke 3, 38. It's running through all the lineage. And it's that stuff in the Bible that people, if you're not careful, you're just tempted to skip over it. The son of, the son of, the son of, the son of, the son of. And it goes to Seth, the son of Adam, Adam, the son of God. That's in your Bible. The Bible says that Adam was a son of God. Amen? And so God created man. He created him his likeness and his image, placed him in the garden. And we've said this before. Don't let, what, this is backwards thinking. 
what you do does not determine who you are. Because we're talking about identity, right? Brother Jimmy works at the mill, but Brother Jimmy's identity don't fall into the trap of the world. Because what do people want to ask you when they meet you? You meet somebody, you get to talk, and then eventually the conversation goes, oh, what do you do? Michael Pastor Earl said, he said, you just tell them, I live by faith. That'll mess with them. That'll open, they'll either back off or they'll open up a whole can of worms. Maybe you can get somebody born again, right? People want to know, what do you do? What do you do? Why? Because the way the world thinks, what you do is your identity. But that's completely backwards the way it is in the kingdom of God. Because how many of you know, you read the epistles, they wrote to slaves, they wrote to masters, they wrote to people who were wealthy people. They wrote to people that were poor people. They wrote to people who were in agriculture. They wrote to people that were in business. And they didn't tell the, they, the, the, the teaching was your identity is not based on what you do. Your identity is who you are in Him. God is the one who has told you what your identity is. And we said this is that when people lose their sense of identity, who God created you to be, what God's intention is for you, how God wants you to live, we said this, we mentioned this last week, where purpose is unknown, abuse and misuse is inevitable. If you don't know what something's purpose is, and remember this, like I said, your purpose is directly tied to your identity. Your purpose in this world, your purpose in the kingdom is tied directly to who God says you are. And if you don't know who God says you are, then you have just made yourself vulnerable. It, it is inevitable that you will abuse and misuse your, your own self because you don't know who you are in Christ and what, what your original purpose was. And so if you, ha- if you have your hand, do, do we get the handouts? Amen. Do, has everybody got a handout for this week? <clears throat> Overcoming Identity Theft, Part 6, The Restoration of Benefits. We want to, this is the three things we were talking about when, when Adam sinned, when sin entered the world. The Bible says that Adam was created in God's image and God's likeness. And you can go study your Bible. After, after sin entered the world, after Adam fell, the Bible says, and Adam begat sons after his own image and his own likeness. See, that's why it's inaccurate for us to say that everybody on the earth is God's children. Everybody on the earth is God's creation, but not everybody's his child. Matter of fact, when Jesus had, remember, was it John chapter 8 when Jesus was having this conversation with the Pharisees? And he said, uh, he said, you know, I do the will of my Father. Like, oh, who is your daddy? And he's like, I do the will of my Father. And, they said, and he said, he said, you have your father, the devil. And that word, de- that word father, it, it means your source, your supply. It also indicates your pattern. That's what, when you start studying out that word father, what all the different meanings of father means, you understand why God said don't call any man on earth your father. Because there's one that's your source. There's one that is your progenitor. There's one who is your, your source of supply and who is supposed to be your pattern. But when Adam sinned, he lost three, the three things that we're mentioning. Yeah, that might, you could probably look at the Scripture and find three more. It's not even mentioned here, but three we've been looking at. When Adam sinned, he lost, number one, his relationship. You can that lost his relationship, his purpose, and his access to benefits. Amen? Hallelujah. Go ahead. Turn your Bibles real quick to... Um, let's, see, let's go ahead and fill in these uh, blanks here on the second one. It says, God created man a little lower. You can put in him a little lower than himself. 
were a little lower than God. We read that already. And it says, And they crowned him with glory and honor and made him to rule over the work of his hands. That's uh, that second thing to be filled in. Understand this. Go ahead. Turn in your Bibles to Psalms 68. Amen. How many of y'all know people clamoring? It, it's uh, ironic now. If you've turned on the news any time in the past uh, month, out in Wisconsin, anybody know what's going on in Wisconsin? Oh, man, them public employees are out there protesting uh, the government because the governor of Wisconsin has tried to, uh, well, they've actually passed the, the Wisconsin State Senate and the governor, they've passed uh, laws that have done away with collective bargaining for public employees. And um, and there's people out there that are protesting. Man, they're mad. They're, they're holding signs. They're holding 24-hour protests. People out there all the time, they're fussing. They're complaining. I mean, they're trespassing. They're people being arrested. People have been out of shape. Why? Because they got their benefits infringed upon. You start talking about, well, how many of you all know the Bible teaches us because we're in the kingdom, right? Right? And you understand that Jesus, what he's talking about, and we've mentioned this before, you know, unto us a son is born, unto us a child is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. We've said, I've said this to you before, that religion and government, which we're not really into religion, right? But religion and government are two sides of the same coin because the, the intentions of both of them are the same, to, to modify the behavior of the people that adhere to it. And, and think about this. Daniel, when Nebuchadnezzar had the dream, you need to write this down. You've heard, some of you heard this before. When Nebuchadnezzar had the dream and he saw the image, and the image he saw had a head, had a head of gold, had the arms and chest of silver, the stomach and, and thighs of brass, legs of iron and feet of iron clay mixed. And, said, and he said, I saw a stone cut out of the mountain without hands that came down the mountain and smote the image on the feet and destroyed it. It did away with the image and caused all the remnants of the image to be discarded. Okay? Well, what, when we read the, the, the interpretation, when Daniel interpreted that dream, what was the head of gold? You, O King Nebuchadnezzar, and your Babylonian empire, your Babylonian government, your kingdom, your government, because kingdom and government is the same thing. Kingdom is a type of government. We disassociate that a lot of times with Western thinking. But So... The Babylonian Empire, the you know, Bible scholars will tell you the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, and at the time when the feet were iron and clay mixed, still the Roman Empire. What empire was in power when Jesus came to the earth? The Roman Empire. The stone that was cut out of the mountain and smote the image on the feet. Who was that? Jesus. Amen. So Jesus, who the only message that Jesus preached was the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Gospel of the Kingdom of Heaven, Gospel of the Kingdom. said, Jesus went out and began to preach. You look at the very first citation in the Gospel where it says Jesus went out and preached. He went out and preached the Kingdom of Heaven is at hand. And see, he didn't say Heaven's at hand. He said the Kingdom of. There's a difference. All the parables that Jesus taught, the Kingdom of Heaven is like this, the Kingdom of Heaven is like that, the Kingdom of Heaven is like that. It, subconsciously, the church has trained people to think, well, Heaven's like, well, you know, Heaven's like a, a grain of mustard seed. And if you even try to interpret those things, it just goes to show you why an unexamined faith is worthless. Because if you try to if we honestly try to examine or, or, or understand and interpret the parables, the, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like, and if we think it's heaven, oh, heaven is like a grain of mustard seed. What? 
Because you understand, okay, mustard seed, it springs up, it grows up, and it's the tiniest of seeds. But man, when it grows up, it becomes a great tree that the fowls of the air can nest in. Well, interpret that using heaven. It don't make any sense, does it? Heaven is like a What? But when you say the kingdom of, the government of heaven is like a tiny grain of mustard seed. What? You can take it and you can plant it. It's like yeast. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. What's that mean? Is that when someone begins to comprehend, understand, and operate in the principles of the kingdom of heaven, you take a little bit of leaven and you put it in the flour, and man, that leaven will leaven that whole lump of dough. It will spread. If you Let's put it this way, if you will, because we usually think of this as a negative thing. It will contaminate that whole lump. It will affect the whole lump that it is placed in. So let's take it like this. The kingdom of heaven or the government of heaven, how God rules and reigns and administers, is like a little bit of yeast. You put it in something and it can affect the whole thing. Right? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, Psalms, chapter 68, verse 19. It says, Bless the Lord who daily bears our burden, uh, the God who is our salvation. That's the New American Standard. New King James says, Bless the Lord who daily... Uh, loads us with benefits. Amen? Psalm 103, uh, you're there in Psalm 68, turn to Psalm uh, 103. Amen. The Lord daily loads us with benefits. People looking for benefits. God will load you with them. Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years. I know some translations say mouth. New American Standard says, who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen? The, the, when man is reconciled to God... He has access to the benefits of God. Remember this, going back to the garden. Adam and Eve, when God placed man in the garden, Adam was hungry, there was fruit to eat. There was the, there was the tree, the Bible teaches us there's the tree of life in the midst of the garden. And so man had benefits, had access to benefits. Man had daily fellowship with God. The Bible says that God came down in the cool of the day and, and walked with man and fellowshiped with him. Adam had benefits. Amen? He didn't have, there was nothing, there was nothing, the curse of sin wasn't there. He walked in benefits, so when he fell, not only did his, his relationship change with God, not only did he lose his purpose because he lost his identity, man, who am I, what am I, what am I doing? Yeah, my relationship with daddy's broke, I don't know my purpose, but he lost his access to benefits, the benefits of God. The Bible says that God loads you daily with benefits. Now, this is the thing. You've got to guard yourself because we live in a society that has that, uh, you know, uh, what's in it for me attitude. Oh, what's in it for me? And how many of you know that, some, that, that there's two ditches that you can get in? One ditch is, you know, church, the, the church tradition I grew up in, man, they, they would teach you, man, you just don't expect nothing from God, you old sorry thing. Jimmy, man, as rotten as you are, you're just glad God, you know, you're saved, but man, you're just glad God don't just poof, just burn you up instantly and just throw you in hell, man. Don't you expect nothing else from him? Because he's just putting up with you right now anyway, man. He can't, you know, he, just between me and you, God told me. He don't even really like you, but he's just putting up with you. That was one extreme. That, that was one extreme. Here's the other extreme. 
Oh, man, God wants you to be a millionaire. Man, don't you know God wants you to be rich, 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 have every toy you want? Man, He wants you to have the biggest, fanciest house in the neighborhood. wants you to absolutely drive the biggest, fanciest car that there is. Huh? And so people get into this, oh, I'll serve God. They seek in the hand of God, not the heart of God. Oh, I just want you. Know, I just want the benefits. Amen. And if you're not careful, we get a bunch of believers that are running around like a bunch of gold digging uh, women that want to marry some old man that's 40 years older than them just because he's got a, a big bankroll. Amen. Y'all understand that? I'm talking plain, right? They, they look, we're looking for a sugar daddy. And so you got the two extremes, and you want to avoid either one of them because neither one of them's right. The one where, you know, you're just saved, and if you can just crawl into heaven, if you can just get into heaven crawling, brother, it's good. Don't expect nothing else from God. To the, oh, God just wants to just spoil you. Okay? And you, and you, and you basically, you're just looking for a sugar daddy. You're just looking for, uh, if you will, a spiritual pimp. But there's somewhere in between that's accurate, right? There's somewhere in between that's the real thing. Because God does load you daily with benefits. God does want you to be blessed. God wants you to be equipped for your purpose upon the earth. Huh? If you need, if you need it, and this thing, and God will even bless you with some things that aren't a necessity, but when He knows that He can trust you. Because don't tell me it's a blessing of the Lord because you went out and you financed a big boat, you know, and now you're in debt for 20... You know, you know, I got a real good interest rate on that boat, Pastor, and I'm paying on my boat for the next 20 years. Oh, and by the way, you know, I, you know, through the summer, just, man, just, you know, I got this boat, I'm paying for it. It don't make no sense for me not to be out on the, on the ocean on the weekend, not be in church. That's, that's not a blessing of the Lord. That is not a blessing of the Lord. But God wants to load us with benefits. Amen? We looked at, we saw some of them there in Psalm 103. It says, uh, who pardons all your iniquities. Amen? You understand that, that before Jesus came and did what He did, before the redemption on the cross, man, you, we were all guilty before God. Your iniquities, your sins separated you from God. He wasn't your daddy. You were cut off from the life of God. You were cut off from the promises of God. Why? Because there was a lot between you and God. God's like, mm, we got this sin thing. God's like, man, I love you, but we got this sin thing in between us. Because I can't have nothing to do with that. But aren't you glad God loved you enough that He said, but I got a remedy for this sin thing. Because I can send my word, I can wrap my word up in the flesh and bring it into the world through the woman. And my word, and my and, and it'll be, I'll beget that word, and it'll be my son. It'll become it's Jesus, the Word made flesh, and He's going to walk upright and perfect before me to the point that Jesus could boldly say, "I don't say anything except what I hear my what I hear my Father say. I don't do anything except what my Father says." Because you understand that's that's faith. That that is the epitome of faith. That that completely encapsulates what faith is. Faith is simply obedience to the Word of the King. Just simply obeying God. When we obey God, when we do what God says to do, when we say what God says to do, that's faith. Because faith, right? Because faith governs what? Faith governs what you think, say, and do. You can tell, you can tell what somebody's faith is. You can tell what somebody's faith is. You get around them long enough, you hear, you know, to where you hear, uh, how, what their, uh, their attitude is, what their beliefs are. You know, you can be around people and you can tell where they're at. 
And it's better to do it at their home or at the grocery store. Or Hey, man, you can read people's Facebook postings, can't you? You can tell cause, because we got it, we're, we're good at uh, getting you know, a bunch of people that know how to come to church put on their faith face. All week long, they talk about, oh, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I hate that person. I know the Bible says forgive them, but by by God, I hate them. I just can't do it. Come to church. Hey, how you doing? So good to see you. Oh, how I'm blessed just like you are. Go back out the door and get back in their car. God, I just can't stand it. Oh, i got to take a shower. Oh, I touched them. I can't stand it. Don't know how I'm going to make it. I can't take a shower. I can't pay my water bill. I don't know how I'm going to make it. Huh? You can tell tell where people are at. Because why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And what your mouth speaks reveals what's in your heart, reveals what's in what's in your mind, and as a man thinks, so he is, right? Now, I will give you this one little caveat. Everybody is susceptible to the temporary faith breakdown, right? I mean, not none of you, right? Just me, okay? Amen. Just me. I'm talking about how a person speaks consistently. Huh? Because we're all still growing, right? So, I mean, you have that momentary faith breakdown. Me and Pastor Cheyenne had a temporary freak out today. Holy glory to God. Came home this, I came home this morning. You know, uh, I ran over to the gym this morning and came back and pulled up in the driveway. And Pastor Cheyenne was out in the yard and out in the driveway and she had this look on her face. And as soon as I saw her face, I said, she's lost a child. I thought she's lost a child because it wasn't, I can't find my car keys look. It was, I am frantic look. And I didn't tell you that. As soon as I saw her, as soon as I saw her in my spirit, I thought, she's lost a kid. And, I, and then Clay was at school, and Savannah don't walk, so it was real easy to figure out which one it was. I pulled up and drove away and said, what's wrong? And she said, I've lost Jared. I can't find Jared. Oh, Lord Jesus. You talk about dread seizing you. I went in the house, man. I started hauling. I went in every room in the house. I'm looking under the beds. I'm looking under the couch. The couch is that high off the floor, but I'm looking under the couch. I'm like, oh, Jesus, my baby. I mean, I, you know, I don't know if any of y'all have ever... And I'm thinking, man, he's, he's went up there because the door was open at the house. Well, she went out to the garage to do something and left the door open. And, and man, we were both in like full free. I was like, oh, Jesus. I'm like, I mean, I started praying, oh, Jesus, help us find my baby. Help me find my baby boy, Jesus. I mean, and we were in... I mean, I'm calling 911. If we looked around the house and I thought, man, bump this mess, because if he's out the door, he's walking through this neighborhood, he's going through people's yard. I'm calling 911. There are three entrances to Wood Valley. We're locking this thing down until we find my baby. I called 911, and it's like, ring, 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 beep! I'm like, and I'm standing out in the garage, and Jared's blowing the horn at me. He's in the van. <laughs> I went, oh, thank you, Jesus. And I hung, I hung up. Then police called me back and they had to send the cop out to verify the call because, you know, they got. But Jared had went out the door and got in the van. Thank God the van door was open. Thank God the van door had got left open because if it hadn't been open, it's hard to tell what it had got into. But he got in the van and closed the door because he knows how to push buttons. Click. And thank God the child safety locks were on and he couldn't get back out after he got in. He could, you can close the van but you can't open it. But you know what? We, what I'm saying is we had this temporary... Because <gasps> just for a moment, when you're in the heat of it, man, and fear tries to seize you, you're like, oh, God, what are we going to do? 
thought, thought, man, I'm going to pray. Because I promise you, if you'd have seen us at that split moment, you'd have thought, man, where's y'all's faith? I'll be like, if you find faith, you'll find Jared too, because they're probably both in the same thing, hanging out together. Amen? <laughs> Amen? But I'm not talking about how when someone has just a temporary break. I'm talking, you can tell consistently how they're, how they're speaking consistently, how they behave consistently. I'm not talking about how straight you can walk when your pastor's in the room with you. I'm talking about how when you're by yourself, how are you acting? I'm talking about when you're by yourself, what are you speaking? I'm talking about when you're sitting in the room by yourself and it ain't nothing but you and a stack of the bills and a checkbook staring you in the face. What are you thinking? Amen. And that's what measures what your faith is. How quick can you capture those thoughts and take them down? Amen? But God, he, God blesses us uh, with benefits. God has benefits for you. He pardons your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. Amen? And so... Uh, we have these benefits of God. And we said, and, and getting back to that, don't get into either extreme. The Bible tells us what to do first. Priorities. Priorities are very important. Knowing who you are in Christ, knowing your identity, and knowing your purpose sets your priorities. You know, one thing that's real interesting to me is now, now I, like, I like to study. I, like, I enjoy reading the Word. I enjoy reading books. I enjoy studying the Word. I, I, I like staying in the Word. I was telling you know, a, a minister that uh, a gentleman that he's uh, been a Methodist minister for man fifty well sixty years because him and his wife been married sixty years and they met on a mission field. And uh, I was had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with him yesterday and I was telling him I said you know I said I've got a, a daily devotion now don't anyone feel condemnation about this because you understand I'm a minister right and that I'm expected to be in the Word now you understand in the book of Acts why they had deacons so that the apostles could give themselves to the Word and to prayer. So don't anybody go, oh my gosh, Pastor. Don't none of you go, is that all? <laughs> you know, avoid extremes, right? I was telling him, I said, I have a, a, a devotional uh, schedule that I will read through the Bible every year. I go through it, I read it, and I was telling him a little sketch about the little chronological, one-year chronological schedule that I have and how it was really helpful when you start going through the historical books and the, and the prophets. I said, but I try to make a habit, and I don't always, but I try to make a habit. I started this last year. There's four weeks in a month, and there's four Gospels, and I try to, to do my devotional reading and read the first week of the month, I'll read Matthew. Second week, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So every month, I'm reading all four Gospels. Okay? So my devotional, that, man, I will devour... The epistles. I, I, I would probably, I would say, since January, I have probably read First and Second Timothy and Titus probably twelve to sixteen times in different translations. That's some of my favorite. And those are short. Okay, granted, those are short epistles, but I like to read those because those are letters that the Holy Spirit wrote through Paul to two young ministers that Paul had mentored, and he, and I like to read them and read like you know when Paul says. Oh Timothy, I read it, O'Brien. Like it's speaking personally to me, and I really enjoy reading those. And was just telling him, you know, all how much of the Word that we read and stayed in the Word and, and stayed in it. Um, but you understand, you had you had to set set priorities. The Word has to be a priority. Now you may not read as much as I do, but you know who doesn't have 15 minutes a day to read? And I've said this before, and I, and I, I have drawn the ire of some people, but you know, you've been, you've been born again for 50 years or 30 years or let's just say you've been born again 10 or 15 years and you've never read the Bible through one time in your life. 
So wait a minute, this is the book that you say your faith is based on and you're trusting your eternal salvation on the contents of the book, but yet you place so little esteem on it that it's not worthy of you reading through. There has to be a setting of priorities. And the Bible says, you know, when we're talking about benefits, the top priority to receiving access to the benefits is seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seek first God's, God's government, His administration, the way He says things are to be run. And remember this righteousness, we've learned this, is not a religious word. If anything, righteous is more of a, of a uh, legal term that means right standing with the governing authorities. So if we're to seek first the kingdom of God and right standing with His, with his authority and all the other things, all these things are going to be added to us, Right? So we're going to look at some benefits real quick, and then we're going to take a couple of questions. We're going to, I'm going to pose a couple of questions to you. One of the things that's been restored to us is authority and power. Now remember, the very first thing God gave man, what was it? The dominion commission. I'm giving you dominion over the earth uh, to rule and reign over the earth. In the beginning, God gave Adam dominion or authority on the earth, and he blessed them. What, when Adam, uh, sur- what Adam surrendered to the devil, now remember we... We mentioned this in Luke chapter 4 when Satan tempted Jesus. Satan said, if you'll bow, to, he, showed, it says that he showed Jesus all the, the religions of the world, showed him all the kingdoms of the world. The devil took Jesus, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and said, if you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll give them to you. He said, because all this authority has been delivered, King James Version, New King James Version, I believe, says, all this authority has been delivered to me, and I give it to who I want. Okay, that word delivered literally means, if you, if you look it up, it literally means surrendered. All of this authority, what, what authority? Authority over the kingdoms of the world has been surrendered to the devil. And he says, and I give it to who I want to if you just bow down and worship me. Well, you understand this, that things change. It's inaccurate now to say that the only people who are still under the authority of the people are the people who are, are choosing to be willingly to be there. Because this is the thing. I, said, uh, I got this written down. What, the, what Adam surrendered to the devil, Jesus, the second Adam, took back when he bound the strong man and plundered his goods. Amen. You, I'll give you the references on this. I'm not going to take time to look at it. But Luke 11:21, Matthew 12:29. And Mark 3.27, or three passages in the Bible where Jesus said, no one enters into a strong man's house and takes his goods unless he first goes in and he binds the strong man and then he plunders his goods, right? I'm going to tell you what. You see, the devil could not overpower Adam. I've said this before. You really need, This gives you a glimpse, of, a glimpse of the authority that Adam walked in because you don't trick people that you can overpower. If I wanted Ty's game system right here, I'm strong in him. Now, Ty's strong. If I want his his uh, DSI, the DSI XL, is that what it is, man? If I want that thing, I'm stronger than Ty. I can just walk over and I grab him. Now, he might fight, but I went to the gym this morning, brother, and I'm probably a little stronger than you still. Right? <laughs> I could just take it and <clears throat> forcibly remove it from him because I'm stronger than him. But now, if Ty was like six foot two, 250 chiseled out, you know, little washboard I have going on, little 24-inch gun, and I couldn't overpower him, I might say, oh, hey, hey, that's a pretty neat-looking little thing you got there, man. Could I take a look at that? I'll give it right back to you, man. He goes, eh, okay, give it to me. And then I turn around and pew, 
Joe, you know, I'm, bold, I'm out of here. Huh? What did I have to do? I had to resort to trickery and deception to get what I wanted from him. Why? Because he's stronger than me. So you understand that in the beginning, Satan had to trick Adam. You don't have to trick people that you can overpower and take, right? Amen. You see where I'm going like this? So here comes Adam too. The, the second Adam. The last Adam, some translations call him. Jesus comes back and says, Excuse me, devil, I believe you have something that belongs to me. <clears throat> ain't playing no games. Ain't trying to trick you. Going to tie you. I'm going to bind your sorry tail, and I'm taking back. I'm going to plunder your goods. And I don't have to trick you about it because I'm coming into the strong man's house and I'm binding you, right? And so, you understand this? Jesus, and then when Je- once Jesus did that, turn, turn to Matthew 28 real quick. I want you to see this. Familiar scripture. I just want you to look at it. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. You understand this? Authority is the right use of power. I have been authorized. Jesus is saying, I have been given the right to exercise power, to exercise my will. Because when you have authority over something, it's in your will to command it, right? Jesus said, I've got it back. So, so one of the, th- the benefits that we have... And then Jesus says, he says, verse 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Jesus says... All authority in heaven and earth earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. What's going on here is Jesus is delegating His authority to His his disciples. Amen? To the believers, to the church, if you will. Jesus is saying, all the authority has been given to me. I'm delegating it to you. Therefore, go in my name. Go and exercise and operate in my authority. Amen? You, You can go on. As a matter of fact, turn to Mark chapter 16. We'll show you a little bit of what this authority entails. Amen? Mark 16, verse 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who is believed and is baptized shall be saved, but he who is disbelieved shall be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. Now, I like this. These signs shall follow those who believe in my name. When you see that word name, it actually, that, the word it denotes authority. I heard Bishop Keith uh, Butler minister on this at a camp meeting in Raymond in 2003. When you see name, it represents authority. Here it is just to help you, you get a hold of this. If someone, you see these old medieval movies, and they'll say, Stop in the name of the king. Right? Well, what's that mean? In the authority, I'm speaking to you in the authority of, of the king. So Jesus, so when we see name, it is, it, it, it is implicitly saying in the authority of Jesus. In His authority. And who's got all authority? Jesus does. I've got all authority on heaven and earth. It says, uh, so it says uh, those who believe in His name, uh, the, in His name they will cast out demons, they'll speak with new tongues, they'll speak, uh, they will pick up uh, serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it shall not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Jesus has given us authority. Because this is the thing. Was Adam get, and, this, and you understand this. Is, he's operating in the original authority and dominion that God gave Adam. 
Right? Because He gave Adam dominion over all the earth. Huh? You realize that when we lay hands on the sick and command healing go in their body, what's your body made out of? Your body's made out of the earth. And so when so, if someone comes in agreement with you and you lay hands on them and they're in faith believing and, and, you, and you lay hands on them in the authority of Jesus and you speak to that dirt suit that their spirit man lives in, you've got authority over it. Amen? Praise God. So you understand this, that uh, Jesus proclaimed that all authority in heaven and earth had been given to Him and He commissioned the church to go into all the world and make disciples under His authority and power. The last Adam regained the authority that the first Adam lost and delegated it back to the church. Real quickly, I'm going to give you some citations to write down uh, real quick. Ephesians 2.6 uh, says, We are seated with Jesus at the right hand of the throne beside God the Father. You understand that the right hand is the hand of authority. The Bible says that we who are believers, we have been baptized into Christ. Remember that word baptized means to be enveloped wholly in a fluid. We have been baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. It means we as believers are in Christ and Jesus is seated at the place of authority beside the Father. Amen? And you are there in that position of authority. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Amen? So we're talking about two things that were restored, and that's on your handout, some of the things that are available to us as children of God. The first is authority and power. And there's a difference. Remember, authority is the right to use power. Power is just the raw, is the raw force itself. Okay? Next thing we're going to look at, you can go ahead and write this down, fill in the blank. Security. Amen. It's amazing how smart some people... Uh, I shared, uh, John Locke was a great uh, political philosopher. And, you know, and, and I see stuff, and it's just some of these things that makes you, hmm, okay, well, that's interesting in the paradigm of the kingdom. Because John Locke, if you remember, he, if you remember your history, he wrote a little pamphlet called Common Sense that was like uh, you know, the spark that started the American Revolution. Because in that little pamphlet, he outlined all of, the, of, of America's reasons uh, to seek independence from Great Britain. He listed all the perceived abuses that he felt like the Americans uh, should base their desire to be independent. And some of you thinking, thanks for the history lesson, Pastor Brian. Here's the point. He said the whole purpose of government is to provide security for the people. You mark my words. Why, why do we think when we talk about the Antichrist, now we know the Bible says the world's full of Antichrist. Anyone who denies that Christ has come in the flesh has the spirit of Antichrist, right? Why do you think that the Antichrist, what we call the Antichrist, he's going to be a political leader? Why? Because it's all about government. It's all about God exercising authority on the earth through, through man, right? And the devil wants to have the authority, and so he's going to do what he can. But it's interesting how I believe it's in Second Thessalonians. It's talking about when the Antichrist comes. It says, For when they say, Peace and safety, destruction cometh on them suddenly like a woman in travail. And some translations say, When they say, Peace and security. Why? That tells you that the person that's going to be the Antichrist, he's, does the Bible not teach that he's, he's going to come in and he's going to offer, Hey, man, I can broker a peace. Man, I can get I can get some peace going up here. We got all this this war and this conflict going on. I I can do this. I can I can broker this peace and I can promise you peace and security. Huh? Kingdom of the kingdom of heaven. Everything. I've said this before. Every government of man. Mark this down. Every 
government of man that has ever been or ever will be on the face of the earth is man's feeble attempt to get back what Adam lost in the garden. Mark it down. Amen. Pastor knows a little bit about this. Praise God. My bachelor's degree is in, in government and political science. Amen. Every government of man is an attempt to regain what Adam lost in the garden. Security. Understand this, Ephesians 1.3. The Bible says, In Him you have been sealed unto redemption, uh, unto the redemption of the purchased possession. In Christ you're sealed. You understand that when it's talking about that word sealed, it's talking about uh, royal decrees and legal documents back then would be rolled up on parchment or on, on scrolls or papyrus or something, and they would apply wax to that, and they would take a royal, and the king would take his royal insignia ring, and he would press it into that wax, and when he removed that as the wax cooled, it left the mark of the king on it. It had a royal mark on it that it was sealed, and that, that, was, that represented the authority and the, and the power of the king, and that seal preserved that document. The intention was to preserve that document till it got to the person that it was addressed to. You need to understand you have been sealed till the day of redemption. If you're in Christ, amen, you've been born again, you are sealed, and you bear God's royal signet mark upon you for who you are because you are a royal priesthood. Amen? Praise God, you've been sealed. Um, second, second Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 21-22 says again, God has anointed us and sealed us. Amen? And this scripture right here, uh, Romans uh, 8:31 through 39 says, what, you know, Paul's asking, what can separate us from the love of God? And he goes through that whole uh, list of things. Can, this can't separate us. Can this separate us? No, nothing can separate us from the love of, of God. Amen? So you need to understand, you have security. We have, secu- we have had authority and power restored. We've had security. Amen? And we've also had, the last two things we're going to mention here real quick in this list, is health and provision. Amen? Governments want to provide health care, right? What's going on in the country now? Oh, Obamacare. Some people want it. Some people don't. Okay? This is the way I feel about it. Hey, man, you tell me how we can pay for it without my grandchildren being broke. Let's sign me up. But if you can't run the numbers, show I mean, I, we can't pay the bills now. And you go spend an extra, uh, you know, two, three trillion dollars. Okay? Everybody wants some health care, right? There's health care in the kingdom. Amen? Is there health care in the kingdom? You understand? Are you starting to see this? If everything that, pe- that governments of man are trying to give people, it's a counterfeit for what the kingdom of heaven offers. Uh, uh, health insurance, praise God. Exodus 15, uh, turn to Exodus 15 real quick. Exodus 15, looking at verse 25. <clears throat> You understand that um, they come to Mar, the children of Israel. They come across the Red Sea. They were looking for water. They were thirsty. They found the waters of Mara. Mara means bitter. And God and Moses speaks to the Lord. And it says, uh, um, "It says so." Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. Here's just a little side note for you: When we did a, we did healing seminar two years ago, wow. What did we do? Twelve weeks? Ten, twelve weeks on Sunday night teaching on healing. 
one of the things we taught was you'll notice this, there's examples in the Bible of where you know God told I believe it was Elisha when there was uh, pottage that was cooked and that the the school of the prophets and the prophets said oh there's death in the pot man of God you know God could have just told Elisha just go in there and speak to it just go in there and speak wholeness over but what did he do he told him he said get a little measure of flour and go in and put it in now. I'm not saying this is about, I'm not saying God didn't do something miraculous from the flower, but he had him go add something. Here was another example of when God I mean, for crying out loud, Moses held his staff out over the Red Sea and the whole thing parted. Why didn't God just say, I just dip the end of your staff in and it'll make the water sweet? But he showed him a tree to throw in the water. And we said this is that don't discount that the fact the fact that God can't use medicine to bring about healing. God can use medicine because he added flour. He, threw, he told uh, Moses, throw the tree in there. That will purify that. That will make that water. So, you know, don't limit God. Don't try to put God in a box and don't try to say that, you know, medicine's of the devil or something crazy like that, right? But this and this, it says, He made, a, he made for them a statute and a regulation, and there he, he tested them. Verse 26, And he said, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight and give ear to His commandments and keep all His statutes. I will put none of these diseases on you which I have uh, put on the Egyptians. And the better translation of that is I have allowed on the Egyptians. Brother Hagen did a great teaching on that. That I have allowed to come upon the Egyptians. He says, uh, For I am the Lord, the, your healer. Amen? So uh, that and so in the Old Testament, God, one of the covenant names of God is Jehovah Rapha. I'm the Lord God that heals. So that's a benefit. See, everybody wants it. People want it in our government today. It's a benefit, but it's a benefit that's made available in the kingdom. And of course, you know, First uh, Peter two twenty four talks about Jesus, who in who Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross, that we uh, might be dead to sin but alive unto righteousness. By whose stripes you were healed. Healing and and health is something that's a benefit that's been made available to us because of, of who we are in Christ. You understand, it's not how good of a person you are, but it's who you are in Christ. And I want to say this, and, I, and, I'm, and if you have any questions about it, you can ask me about it, but understand this, I've said this before, the Old Testament, the children of Israel are a type and shadow to us. Notice that when God spoke to me, He said, if you give heed to all my commandments and you do it, you do my commandments... I won't allow any of these things to come upon you. Right? How many of y'all know that, it, that, that being born again, becoming a child of God, does not mean that the blessings automatically come upon you. It makes you eligible for the blessings because it still takes obedience to the Word. Because you know this, you can be born again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking believer, and live your whole life defeated and die sick, broke, and disgusted when all the provision of God was made available to you. And the only reason you get is, number one, maybe you were ignorant of the fact that it was there. Or number two, you were just blatantly disobedient to His Word and you never met the condition. Because if you're willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. They were still God's covenant people. Right? They were the children of Israel. They were God's covenant people. But when they sinned, the blessings were, were held back. It's amazing that God's people that we think today, that okay, that we just missed the fact you can be born again and you're not going to go to hell. You're a child of God. You're born again. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. But it still takes obedience to the Word to reap the blessings of God. Amen? But health is available. Financial provision. Genesis chapter 22. We're going to finish up here quick and then move on to some questions. Genesis 22. Another covenant name that God introduces Himself to Abraham by. Genesis 22. Let me get there. 
Genesis 22, and we're going to start with verse 8. The story, to give you the context, is the Lord told Abram, Abraham to go sacrifice his son Isaac on the mountain. It says, and Abraham said, uh, the, Abraham's son had asked him, he goes, you know, you got the wood, we got the fire, we got the knife, where's the sacrifice? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked up together, and they came to a place which God had told them, and Abraham built the altar, and there arranged the wood, and bound his son Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram was caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, The Lord Will Provide, literally Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord God our provider. Well, what's over in the New Testament? Because we want to give you at least two witnesses of something when we're talking about the Scripture, right? Amen? And you know, some stuff in the Old isn't necessarily confirmed by the New, but if you can find it, right? Uh, you know, uh, so God is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, my provider. Well, what does the Philippians 4.19 says? But my God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory through Christ Jesus, right? So that's a benefit. So the last two benefits in that thing, uh, what, that we said, you know, it said some of the things available to us as children of God are authority and power, security, health and provision. The last little thing we want to fill in there says, uh, this is in, uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, Chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, you can write that down. But it says, all of God's promises, and remember, we're talking about in Christ. Your identity in Christ. Your, uh, your relationship to God is available in Christ. Your purpose in the kingdom in Christ. Your benef- the benefits that are available to you in Christ. It says, all of God's promises in, in Christ are yes and amen. And what does the word amen mean? So be it unto me. So all of God's promises, all of God's benefits, if you're in Christ, every one of them are yes to you. They're not yes and no, but they're yes and so be it unto you in Christ. Amen?